Scofflaws is a show about the history of crime, criminals, and the investigation thereof. There may be discussion of adult themes and generally icky stuff. Also, neither host is a legal professional, and this show does not contain any legal advice. Remember, crime doesn't pay. Unless you're really good at it. Hello, and welcome to the Scofflaws, history of law and disorder. My name is Sean, and joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Kate. Say hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. So, Kate, how's your uh, how's your week been under the sea? Uh, <laughs> uh, crazy, because I just moved. <laughs> moved in the rare rainy season of Illinois. Yeah, it's monsoon season here in Chicagoland, and, uh... Yeah, we like, moved. no joke, it's rained all week. With the exception of, like, the three hours I was moving on uh, Tuesday. But I was moving hungover, so maybe it was just to make up for the fact that I was ridiculously hungover. <laughs> uh, you, stole, you stole some of the, the Bristol weather luck. Oh, yeah. You want to tell people? I mean, I know the reason why you're hungover, and unfortunately I didn't get to go to it. Yup, it was a blast. For those of you who don't know, we closed out the Bristol season this week. Uh, that is one of the two reasons why our episode is late. Um, the other is the fact that I moved. So, you get a Saturday episode! Yay! Alright, so, uh, what, are we, uh, what are we talking about on this, uh, this fine, I imagine, very cloudy Saturday? Uh, well, we are talking about Labor Day, specifically um, one of the labor movements that uh, didn't really, it didn't necessarily start in Chicago, but it got most of its traction in Chicago. We're going to be talking about how the eight-hour workday developed. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about that eight-hour workday. All right. The labor movement as we know it in the city of Chicago really started in the 1860s, around 1864. Um, and what people wanted, most of all, was an eight-hour workday. Which... Reasonable. Yeah. Um, I've worked a lot of jobs where it wasn't eight hours. It was many, many, many hours a day. I had uh, I had one of those jobs that had a a bit of a a goofy day to it too. Well, the reason that people wanted an eight hour workday is because it kind of coincided with the forty hour work week model, and the fact that you would work eight hours a day, forty hours a week, so that would be about five days a week, um, and that's because people were working twelve to fourteen hour days six days a week which i know a lot of people who pull overtime now and they're like oh well that's nice but you didn't get paid time and a half for it this is before unions so also before fair wages but the central demand for the labor movement was um an eight-hour workday i'm trying to figure out what the 
Well, yeah, no, I, I know, like, there's still, like, 12 to 15 hour shifts, well, 12-hour shifts. I know that's called a nurse's shift. I don't think there's anywhere that does a 15-hour shift anymore. Uh, I don't remember. Um, maybe, maybe in hospitals, but you're still only working 40 hours a week, in theory. Right, but, okay, so the the 40-hour work week beca- became a thing before the 8-hour work day? They originated around the same time. Gotcha, okay. Okay, uh, I was... <laughs> Yeah. So in um, 1867, Illinois legislature passed a law that um, gave an eight-hour workday, but there was such a huge loophole that employers, like the loophole was that employers could contract their employees um, to work longer hours. So they were sliding it into contracts of like hiring contracts. So you didn't know what you were signing and also consider the literacy rate of the United States. Blue collar workers weren't always literate. So they were just signing an X where their name was supposed to be. And they didn't know that they were signing away a contract to work a million hours a week. To be fair, the United States is much more literate nowadays. And there's a lot of people who still don't read contracts before they sign them. Exactly. Um, so, in an effort to um, kind of get rid of the loophole, uh, Chicago, the Chicago Labor Organization, it was called Chicago Labor, uh, called for a citywide strike on May 1st, 1867. And guess what that did, Sean? Uh, shut the city down? For an entire week. Oof. The city's economy was shut down for an entire week. And it's not like Chicago's a small city. I mean, Chicago's... I mean, anyone in the United States knows that Chicago's, like, one of the the big hub cities for, like, trade and transport. And if you're outside the United States, you might still know of Chicago, but not know, like, the significance of it in the United States. If you are listening outside of the U.S. and you kind of don't understand Chicago, um, think of it as the New York but for the center of the United States. Okay, I, I can I can describe that better because I really liked like my my eighth grade like history and uh, geography class, <laughs> um, social studies. Anyway, um, so you can you can go from the Atlantic Ocean to New York, and that's your your first inlet to like the United States if you're doing seaborne tra- uh, trade. But then we have something called the Great Lakes, which is just like uh, a bunch of bananas hanging down from Canada onto our heads. <laughs> that uh, you can then go from, uh, I think it's Lake Erie is the one that touches New York. And you can go up Lake Erie to the the hub of the bananas and go down Lake Michigan and then you hit uh, Chicago. And this is all connected via a complicated river system, um, and such. Uh, Chicago is called the second city for that reason, because it's like the second city you go to in the United States, among other reasons. There are many reasons why Chicago is called the second city. But we digress. Um, When the strike um, in 1867 collapsed, 
the uh, entire law that like gave some semblance of an eight-hour workday collapsed with it. Uh, so workers were left completely unprotected. Oh, no, so the strike didn't work. Nope. Uh, not at all. Oh, man, that's awful. So now they were back to just working whatever hours they were told they had to work? Exactly. Um, in the 1880s, the issue came back to light, and it was the key demand to most labor unions, especially in Chicago. Um, in 1884, the there's a in a, an organization called the Federation of Organized Trades and Labor Unions. Um, it's now called the American Federation of Labor. Uh, this organization urged uh, American workers to observe an eight-hour workday beginning May 1st, 1886. So it gave these people a two-year leeway. Um, they wanted to, instead of like trying to fight for legislation, because at this time politics was super corrupt, see robber barons, um, but they were trying to, instead of having a legislative action, have a more direct action. So these workers were going to go into work only for eight hours. All right. So, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, to be fair, we, we're still dragging our, our feet legislatively on, like, minimum wage and things like that that should really change, but... Yes. Um, so, true to form, the United States was dragging its feet. Um, and this this movement really united all types of people in the Chicago and the country. Um, people of blue collar and white collar work, um, skilled and unskilled, if you want to go that way. Uh, socialists, anarchists, communists, trade unionists, all of them um, promoted this eight hour workday. It was kind of like a strike, but a little different. Um, it's almost like people don't want to deal with massive stress and insomnia. Exactly. And Chicago was seen as the center of this movement. These organizations were all over the country, and they made Chicago as their center for the eight-hour workday movement thing for May 1st, 1886. And I'm sorry, and you said this is, this is before, like, unions started becoming a big thing oh yes well before unions unions didn't really start becoming as ubiquitous as they are today until the early 1900s yeah because was because if i'm remembering uh eighth grade history again wasn't it that unions came about mostly because we got to the great depression and people were like well we done fucked up here yeah Kind of. Uh, the union movement was in full swing by the Depression, actually. Ah. It's more so the Depression. We'll, we'll talk about it because I have a bit on it. Okay. Um, so May 4th, 1886 or 1887. I'm getting my dates mixed up again. There was the notorious Haymarket Riot. In Chicago. Haymarket riot. Yes. 
So Haymarket is now a district in Chicago. Um, and it was then. It was a popular, like, worker. Not popular, but it was where a lot of people worked. And um, it's actually called by historians today the Haymarket Tragedy. There was a very peaceful demonstration. Um, it was at night. There was a very peaceful demonstration um, in the Haymarket District about the eight-hour workday. And police came in and said to disperse. Well, one of the people that were observing the demonstration threw a bomb at the police. So then the police started shooting up the gathering and a lot of people died. God, that just proves that it only takes that one asshole. Yes. Like, like you can't. Yes and no. You can't MacGyver up a bomb in the time it takes for someone to tell you to disperse. That guy was ready to cause trouble. Yes, but also the police should not have... Should not have slaughtered everyone else, yes. Yeah. That is, that is very correct. Yeah, it's a complicated issue. Um, so because of the Haymarket riot, it became the face of uh, the labor movement of the country for several decades. Um, people were fighting for the eight-hour workday up until the 1930s and a lot of a lot of unions were putting it in their provisions and this was before collective bargaining where unions could help or excuse me unions could lobby for their interests and for good things like an eight-hour workday uh and living wages and all that living wages and and benefits and things like that my mind just completely wiped out for a second. Um, so because of that, when the New Deal was passed in 1838, uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act uh, made it made an eight-hour workday the legal work, the, the length of a legal workday. You could not go over eight hours without paying time and a half or some other form of recompense. So FDR is the father of uh, a lot of good things. A lot of good things. He wasn't a perfect president. He is my favorite president, but he wasn't a perfect president. Uh, but he did establish the things that we cherish most today, like the eight hour workday and weekends. And, um, and by establish, I mean, put them into law because they were concepts well before FDR was even thought of. Yeah, he he codified them. Yeah, or codified them if you are, if you say it the way you've read it, like I have. <laughs> potato, potato. Exactly. So that's the brief, brief, brief history of the labor struggle in the city of Chicago and how it impacted the United States. There's obviously a ton more that we didn't even touch on the Pullman uh, labor crisis, which was about um, African-American struggle for unionization in the 1890s based on the Pullman-Porter. Uh, it was the Pullman-Porter Union, so it was black uh, train car workers, Pullman car workers. Uh, and that is huge and interesting, and I recommend that if you are visiting Chicago, visit the exhibit at the Chicago History Museum, or if you're from Green Bay, which is where I'm from, Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, go visit the National Railroad Museum because they have 
an amazing exhibit on the Pullman Porter struggle and the union work that they did. Yeah, we got we got some pretty awesome museums up here. Yeah, there's great museums in Chicago and the one in Green Bay was one of my favorite museums growing up. Have you ever uh, have you ever been in a union, Kate? Have I ever been in a union? No. Have you? I was for all of one week. Really? Yeah, what it was is uh like immediately out of uh out of high school, like in that gap between like high school and college. Uh-huh. Uh I got a job at UPS uh-huh. because UPS had a had a program where like work here and we'll pay for your textbooks and stuff. Cool. And uh they had a had a union as you would imagine from such a, a hyper physical job as unloading unloading the backs of trucks of very heavy boxes. Mm-hmm. But the job started at like six AM. I didn't drive, which means I had to be dropped off there. And I'm neither a morning person nor that much of a like a physical well, I wasn't at that time, I wasn't much of like a physical guy. Mm-hmm. Um so I lasted all of like a week. Did you get fired or did you quit? Oh, no, I quit. Okay, good. Yeah. So I was in a union for a a week. And uh, at the time, I wasn't that enthused about it, mainly due to the union due and the fact that the job didn't pay that much to begin with. <laughs> like, like I, I, Don't get me wrong. I think unions are a great thing. But if the union due is taking up so much of the paycheck that you're under minimum wage after the union due, it's not doing its job. Exactly. And that's a whole nother um, issue that is being debated today um, is navigating that. I know I benefit from the union, uh, the union strictures and stuff because Starbucks, the my day job, is really good about giving benefits to workers and about having making sure you don't go over eight hours a day making sure you don't go over 40 hours a week but they don't do it in the asshole way where like they're gonna schedule you short shifts it's usually like hey i'm gonna schedule you to 38 hours but you're still considered full-time so you still get all this stuff yeah no we i mean a lot of what we have nowadays is is due to unions and Maybe we'll do that. Well, maybe we'll talk about that later because I mean, there's also a lot of things we could discuss about unions and mob ties. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I, we mentioned earlier in the episode that we both worked wonky shifts at some point in, the, in our lives mm-hmm. uh, for about two years at my job before the current one I have. Uh, current job will always remain nameless. I know some of the people I work with at my day job know of this podcast. Don't talk about it on the Facebook or I'll be very mad at you. <laughs> um, I worked a 10-hour by four-day shift. Okay. That sounds awful, but okay. Um, I mean, I liked having a three-day weekend. Mm-hmm. And I managed to get it so I had Saturday, Sunday, Mondays. So oh. it was a really nice, like, chunk of time that I had to do stuff. Yeah. But yeah, no, after that, I switched back to doing a normal 8x5, and days seemed so short for like the first six months. I worked in the restaurant industry for the entirety of my high school career, and I 
I remember I would come into work at 3.30 in the afternoon and I wouldn't leave until about 2 in the morning and I was 15. Eek. Yeah. So, like, they were wonky shifts. They were really bad timing. I was 15, so I needed sleep and a social life. I didn't get that. Um, but it made me appreciate a lot growing up. I would never force any of my kids that I ever have in the future to do that, though. Theoretical kids. Theoretical kids. New band name, Theoretical Kids. (laughs) I think they're a ska band. Oh, God. They went (laughs) to the dark side. I actually enjoy ska. Uh, I never got into it. (laughs) I think we've digressed enough to fill an episode. Yeah, I'd say so. So, the, again, thank you all for, for listening. Um, if you if you have anything to add to the discussion, you can always email us at scofflawspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebook at uh, Scofflaws, A History of Law and Disorder, or on our Twitter at Scofflawscast. Yeah, Sean's really keeping up with Twitter. It's uh, making my workload on Facebook so much lighter, considering <laughs> that class has been taking up my existence for the last week. Yep, that college life, though. Mm-hmm, that grad school life, it's even worse than my undergrad. Ugh. I never made it that far. <laughs> I went to a scam college. <laughs> uh, and I'm not afraid to admit that on on podcast. I went to a school that was a straight-up scam. Maybe we'll talk about that at some point. Yeah, we'll talk about the legalities of fake colleges like Trump University and stuff. Well, luckily it wasn't it wasn't Trump University. Even I was smart enough not to go uh, fall for something like that. <laughs> but um, uh, the normal stuff: uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us on uh, on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. On reviews and and subscriptions really do help make iTunes show the podcast to other people. So if you if you have like five seconds, it would be greatly appreciated if you just clicked a button and wrote a few words. And uh, if you want to help keep the lights on, you can always uh, visit our Patreon, which I will start. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Sharing. Maintaining? Sharing, too, yes. Sharing and maintaining, because right now it's kind of a jumble. Yep. I, I, as I set it up, because I felt wrong to not have it set up and ready to go by the time we launched it. I didn't expect anyone to donate to it, so I never really like, properly set it up. But we're, we're almost 20 episodes in. I should get it running, right? Right. Holy crap, we're almost 20 episodes in. Uh, I think this is 17. I think this is episode 17. Huh. Cool. Shows how much I pay attention. <laughs> I'm sure I'm wrong, too. It, it might be 18. Um, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's all of our, our rigmarole for the end. And uh, let's see here. And I have the weird law pulled up here. Oh, good. All right, so this one comes out of Colorado. It is illegal for liquor stores to sell food or grocery stores to sell any alcohol except beer that is at most 3 point... I assume that means 3%, which would be a really light beer. Hmm. You can't buy your eggs at the liquor store and you can't buy your vodka at the grocery store. Oh, well, Wisconsin would go under as a state immediately. Yeah, no, there'd be riots. Yep, because I definitely have gone to buy eggs at the liquor store because our liquor store is the closest store. 
That's not the direction I thought you would take it, but that is amazing. Yeah, uh, welcome to Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> Here's your eggs and vodka. <laughs> Uh, if you're listening mom I love you (laughs) send us cheese curds (laughs) alright that's enough shenanigans for one day this has been Scofflaw's History of Lawn Disorder thank you all for listening say bye Kate bye Kate Awesome. Hold on just a second. Hilda, knock it the fuck off. <gasps> Trey, Trey, call Gilda. She's scratching at something. Yeah. Oh, she is in a cabinet. <laughs> All right. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about that eight-hour work week or now. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice.